Garage Logic, broadcasting live from the office of the mayor above the boathouse on the east shore of Spoon Lake. Featuring the rookie on production, Chris Reavers, vice president of social media, and John Hyde in the newsroom. Now, the fireworks commissioner, flashlight king, and keeper of common sense, your mayor, Joe Souchere. Commencing Garage Logic segment number one. What did you say the temperature was? Uh, 86 degrees. Well, that settles it. I'm going to take my fifth and final mayoral Wednesday. No. Oh, yeah. I know. Yep. Why would you do this? Well. Why would you do this? Well, you know what I would answer to that? <laughs> what? Why save it? Why are you going to save it? What are you going to save You know, I'm glad for But you. it's not as much, it's not as fun to mark off a mayoral Wednesday if Patrick's not That's here. That's too bad. Mark it off in his memory. Yeah, you're really throwing a wrench into the system here. That's what I disagree with. He didn't even participate in the last mark-off. Yes, he did. I, I, I was him. listening. I had to remind him. Remember? Oh, that's right. You did. Mm-hmm. And that should be something that was, should be celebrated immediately for uh, mockery reasons. <laughs> Mocking that we're the dumb ones that we're still at work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I already got my golf shoes on, so you know. <laughs> you're messed. You're messed. Wow. What? Wait. What? what? <laughs> Are you afraid that you're gonna run out of time? Yep. It's one plus, o'clock. You're not leaving for plus two dummy, hours. Plus, dummy. Uh, your I'm, golf game. I'm a bad waiter. I can't wait to I put. The sh- I got to put them on. I definitely got tie them. Your golf game is not going to improve because you wear golf shoes. Well, yours, well, yours personally. Well, I'm not going to wear loafers. It's not going to improve your game. I've seen you play. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> okay, got it. Boy, we have a food, uh, thanks to uh, frequent contributor Downing, we have a food-based criminal, uh, stupid criminal story today. We do? Mm-hmm. Food-based. I love, oh, you got my attention. Mm-hmm. About 100 people rallied outside the Western District headquarters of the St. Paul Police last night to protest the fatal shooting of William Billy Hughes. Sue Goldstar, an elder with Native Lives Matter, said Hughes' death is another in a long line of stolen lives on stolen land. All right. Uh, St. Paul Mayor Melvin Carter Tuesday urged the department to expedite the release of the footage, but Police Chief Todd Axtell said it will take 10 days. The cops came, he opened the door, and they gunned him down in cold, frickin' blood, Goodstar said. All they have to say is, I feared for my life, and they get away with murder. But we don't know that. I haven't heard any of the police No facts yet. have been established. Right. What if he came out, uh, <clears throat> they knocked on, they went into a duplex. Yep. And they knocked on one door, and Billy Hughes came out the adjacent door. Well, what if he came out firing? We don't know. We don't know that. We can't. Right. Because they responded to a call of shots being fired in the in the dwelling. I suppose when they got there they didn't know which door to knock on. They had a fifty fifty chance. Right. So they knock on a door, nothing happens. He he opens the the adjacent door. I don't know. So they would have already maybe been had, on maybe guard. he had no weapon. I have no idea. But neither neither does Sue Goodstar. Right, she can't. She can't make any uh, concrete statements until she until she sees the, the footage. Mm-hmm. 
The Minnesota Bureau of Criminal Apprehension, which is investigating Hughes' death, has not released details. Uh, Sidney Brown, a cousin of Thurman Blevins, who was shot to death by police in Minneapolis in June, called for the prosecution of the officers who killed both men. Why? That that leads us back to this non-starting point. If, if the justice, if the only justice that will appease you is the prosecution of the police, then there shouldn't be police. The police will never be able to do their job. They did not deserve to die, Brown said of Blevins and Hughes. Well, no, no one deserves to die, but we're all going to. These were unfortunate ways to die. The crowd left the police station at Hamlin and St. Anthony about 8 o'clock to march east along University Avenue, uh, chanting, no justice, no peace, prosecute the police. You don't have any facts. We have the facts in the Blevins case. Did you see the video of the Blevins case? Of course I, you did. Uh, yes, the Blevins case, yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, in fact, I I studied that because I wanted to be 100% sure. I wish, along with many people, that the police who encountered Blevins had not been so full of bluster and profanity. But I would imagine, I'm not sure how I would have acted when I roll to a stop and uh, uh, the guy they... Uh, are going to uh, talk to, they note, before getting out of the squad car, note that he has a gun. And I I would imagine the gun creates incredible tension. We're going to be joined right now by Jay Coles of 5 Eyewitness News. Hi, Jay. Hey, Joe, how you doing? Pretty good. I saw your piece last night. Oh, okay, cool. I just wanted to let you know that um, there's there's a lot more to it and um, multiple sources told us the same thing, um, and I'm told this is what will come out on the on the body camera video when they release it next week. So, but we're in a we're in a, a state uh, a, a state of mind, Jay, where uh, the activists believe the only justice possible is the prosecution of the police. This is after they've seen the Blevins video, and this is before they've seen any video of Billy Hughes. Correct, and that's I'm I'm pretty sure that's why sources uh, within, you know, law enforcement were willing to talk a little more freely with me about the facts of what happened. And the short version is it was very quick. I mean, it, uh, you know, they had the reports of the shots fired. So uh, as with their training, as you would imagine, right, they then have their weapons drawn when they're trying to clear an area and first establish is there a gun or not a gun or a person firing a gun. So they went into that enclosed porch area, according to sources, and there were two doors, yep. one to the left, one to the right. They chose the one to the right. They knocked on it with their weapons drawn, identified themselves as St. Paul police officers, told them to open the door. Before they even saw uh, William Hughes, they heard from the other side of the door the words, I'm going to kill you. The officers then backed up a little bit, uh, still had their weapons drawn, and the door opened. I'm told by my sources, Mr. Hughes had a gun in his hand. The order was to drop it. He raised the raised the weapon, and then when he started to raise the weapon, that's when they fired. So from beginning to end, we're talking about seconds, according to multiple sources. Not just one. We had multiple sources. And, of course, people always wonder how that works. Joe, well, all of my bosses know exactly who I talk to, mm-hmm. and they approve it then at that point. And so these are good sources, and... Um, People who, you know, yeah, it's, it's, 
And I'm told this is what will come out on the body cam video when it's released next week. So but, when I heard you start to talk about it, I just wanted to let you know that. But, Jay, whatever comes out on the body cam will not satisfy the activists. It might not. I mean, in the past it hasn't. So if, if based on what we've seen in the past, Joe, you, you're, you know, you could probably surmise there's going to be some who just believe that it's... In the past they've said, well, it, the, the, the video's been edited or the audio's been changed. You know, they... they they don't really offer any proof to support that, but that's usually the course they take when when the video does not support what their versions are of based, what happened. Based on yeah. the people you talked to, I was under the impression the police knocked on one door and he came out an adjacent door. The way you just told it, according to the people you talked to, mm-hmm. he, he was behind the door they knocked on. That's what I've been told. Now, again... The, BC, the BCA... The camera should show that. Correct. And, yeah. and, and I guess which door he came out of in the end yeah, right. is, not, is, not, is not all that significant. Right. He came out of one of the two doors. The reason, the reason we stated he came out the other door is because that was the official statement from the BCA, yep. is that he emerged from another door. Now, could they have heard him say something of, along the lines of a threat toward them, and they thought it came from the door they were standing in, it came from the door adjacent? You know, all of that is possible but regardless regardless they heard a verbal threat toward them and when the door opened whichever door the door opened he's standing there with a weapon i'm told they said drop the weapon he did not he started to raise the arm in what they thought was an aggressive manner toward them with the weapon in his hand not the other hand but the the hand with the weapon and then that's when they felt their lives were in danger and needed to eliminate the threat that's from again, multiple sources right, who, right. Who, who are who are in the know. So uh, there you I, go. I know that you have them in the know. All right, Jay. Thank yep. you. Thank You're you. You're welcome. Bye bye. All right. Uh, well, the body cameras were on. They're going to expedite the release of the body cameras, and we'll have to see for ourselves, just like we saw in the case of Thurman Blevins. Here's a man who spends hours in hardware stores, sifting through the nuts and bolts of life. Joe Souchelet. May I uh, stay on brand for a self-indulgent reason? Why do I like the New York Times? Obits. Obituaries. Well, they had the best obit of Stan Makita. And I was reminded of so many things reading it. Uh, He was born in Czechoslovakia. Okay. And the first uh, Czech player to play in the league. <clears throat> let me let me clear that up first. Uh, he was born Stanislav Gavoth on May 20, 1940 in Sokolich, a village in what is now Slovakia, but what was then Czechoslovakia. Oh, it was occupied, right. Just before Union. Christmas in 1948, an aunt and uncle, Joe and Anna Makita, <laughs> who had immigrated to St. Catharines, Ontario, were visiting the family in Czechoslovakia. Okay, so they went over. Yep, they're in Ontario. They went to go see him. With the Soviet Union dominant over Czechoslovakia, Stanislav's father, Juraj, a maintenance man in a textile mill, and his mother, Emilia, who worked the family vegetable patch, decided to have their eight-year-old... What do you see? 
I see the babushka, the whole <laughs> Yes. Right? Oh, know. the traditional, Absolutely. right, Slovak or They're going Czech. in to have goulash. You know? Yes. Uh, work the family vegetable patch, decided to have their eight-year-old son return with the Makitas to Canada, where they felt he would have a brighter future. The Makitas, who were childless, adopted the boy, and he took their name. Young Stan became a whiz in Bantam and then junior hockey and joined the Blackhawks in 1958 at age 18, 5 feet 8 and 150 pounds. Oh, wow. Now, now the, the curved stick story is in this. Well, wait a minute, Paul Harvey here. What about the mom and dad? What did they... Well, th- as thorough as the New York Times is in the old oh, bits... I can't go into detail. I did not learn what relationship ensued between Stan and his birth parents. I'm sure he figured out a way to see them or have them move here for all I know. Okay. Uh, Makita's, no, no, I'll tell you another story. Uh, The Blackhawks won the 1961 Stanley Cup. It was their first cup in 23 years. Behind Makita, along with Bobby Hall and the uh and his blistering slap shots on left wing and the brilliant goalie Glenn Hall. Do you know now this is going to alarm you young people. Mm-hmm. Uh Bill Wirtz owned the Blackhawks. Okay. And he was famously cheap. Okay. If you lived in Chicago in 1961, the Bla- 61, to me that doesn't seem that long ago. Right. If you wanted to watch the Stanley Cup on TV, you know you know how you had to do it? How? You had to go to a movie theater and pay. Closed circuit? Yes. Similar to that? Yeah. He, Wirtz would not allow televised games. He thought it would cut into attendance. That's kind of like how Height watches TV now. I guess so. <laughs> you had to go to a movie <laughs> wow. theater. Wow. I mean, that's not even for the regular season. No, this was for the Stanley for the Cup, Cup Finals. Wow. Makita's accidental discovery of how a curved stick could get off a high-velocity shot with unpredictable movement ushered in a complete new age. During a practice in the mid-60s, as Makita told it, he accidentally bent the blade of his stick. See, I think that's the New York Times could have done a better job there, too. I heard he intentionally did it between a door and the door frame, just for the hell of it, to see what would happen. He continued to use it that day and found that his shots were diving in a greater velocity than sticks with the customary straight blades. He began fashioning a curve on all his blades with a heating process, and Hull did the same. Uh, Andy right. Bathgate of the Rangers, who would have been of Makita's era, he claims to have also used the curved stick. So there's some debate as to who, uh, who uh, did it first. Uh, let me Okay, on, on his Wikipedia page... It says Makita and teammate Bobby Hall were well-known, okay, duo in the 60s, uh, with the curved blades. Such sticks gave an advantage. Makita reportedly began the practice after his standard stick got caught in a bench door, okay. bending the blade that's, before he hit the ice. See, I always had the door story in my mind. Yes, so yeah. you are, that's accurate. Uh, you know, he was such a good golfer that uh, post-hockey, he was a golf pro in Illinois. Also founded a hockey school for hearing impaired in Northbrook, Illinois, uh, at which teammates were instructors. Uh, let me get to the... Uh, uh, while you're looking for that, Makita was also one of the first players to wear a helmet full-time. Mm-hmm. After a December 1967 game in which an errant shot tore a piece of one of his ears off, it was stitched back on. Of course it was. And then he'd probably finish the game. If he was on the Twins, he would be done for the season. <laughs> 
In recalling how he set the stage for the use of curved blades throughout hockey, Makita said that he and Hull had tormented Glenn Hall, the Blackhawks star goalie, when they first experimented with him at practice. Bobby had a 100-mile-per-hour slap shot, and then with the curved stick, he could make it rise, Makita told the Newhouse News Service in 07. I was able to make my knuckle and drop about a foot. Hall supposedly became so frustrated that he left the workout early. He went to the showers, Makita said, got dressed, and said he was never coming back. (laughs) (laughs) Which, of course, he did. Right. Oh, my word. Uh, That's just something. Pound for pound, Stan Makita was one of the greatest players of all time. Hall was quoted in saying, as saying in Heart of the Blackhawks, 2013, a biography of Chicago's Hall of Fame defenseman Pierre Pilat by L. Wax Gregorian David Dupuis. He won the Art Ross Trophy as the NHL's leading point scorer four times. And he's the leading point accumulator for the Blackhawks, except in goals where Hall beat him. Bobby Hall beat him. I, and I'm, I'm shocked to realize he was only 78. He had Lewy body dementia. Uh, 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 dementia is so horrible. Uh, what is, it was described as... Uh, oh, uh, while you're looking, let me tell you how this is. Everything comes back to food, right? Yeah. After retiring, he became a pro at Kemper Lakes Golf Club. His other business interests under Stan Makita Enterprises, including making the small plastic sauce containers that uh, accompany chicken... Nuggets at McDonald's. You know, he was uh, also featured in Wayne's World. I literally just sent Rookie the video. Oh, did you? The Makita Donut Shop. In, in which the characters played by Mike Myers and Dana Carvey <laughs> hung out at a diner in Aurora, Illinois called Stan Makita's Donuts. Which actually ended up becoming a real donut did shop. really? In, outside of Chicago. Uh, <laughs> Hold I'm, on, he's I'm got having it. a hard time finding the Louis Dementia part. You gotta, you gotta rewind to the beginning. This is Stan Makita's Donuts. Excellent munch balls. <laughs> this is the manager, Glenn. He's here 24 hours a day. I recommend the sugar pucks. They're excellent. Come on. <laughs> I'd never done a crazy thing in my life before that night. Why is it? If a man kills another man in battle, it's called heroic. Yet if he kills a man in the heat of passion, it's called murder. Hello! <laughs> <laughs> Well, great player, great player. Only 78. Say, uh, John Height available? Uh, as soon as we come back and after you tell us about that beautiful television inside. Commencing garage logic segment number three. Makita had Louie, L-E-W-I, Louie body dementia, a progressive brain disease. Here's John Height in the newsroom. Thank you, Joe. Sunny and 86 degrees. This update brought to you by the Duluth Trading Company. Visit Duluth Trading Company stores in Fridley, Bloomington, Woodbury, and downtown Duluth. Twins beat the Indians 3-2 last night in a game that got started a couple hours late because of the weather. Uh, same two teams tonight in Cleveland. Jake Odorizzi pitches for the Twins. Mike Clevenger pitches for Cleveland. And you... Uh, you lost Alberto Butter 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 Mahia Mahia to he, a injury. He had uh, yeah something with his wrist, I believe they said. Hmm. He pitched very well though. Again, five innings, one hit. That's the second time in a row he's done that. To Cleveland. How so. many pitches though? I didn't get to see much of the game last uh, night. He, from what I read in the paper, I didn't see the game, but uh, from what I read in the paper, he was very solid. So. Right. 
Uh, do you have any of uh, the latest results of the um, Saber Legion, uh, Legion on the Ocho? <laughs> End of the world, Joe. There's a guy from Mendota Heights from Minnesota, and he's on ESPN, the Ocho right now. I don't know what that means. Uh, ESPN, it's a, it's a channel. Spanish speaking station? Well, because it's 8-8, eight, eight, yeah. ESPN covers very odd sports today. Right. And right now they are lightsaber fighting. Really? For points You're kidding. on the Ocho really? right now. Tell, I, I just saw you, that. You, you must tell me that that is not on television in there. Uh it ah, is. We'd love to tell you that. It's the first time I looked up what and saw What is wrong it. with you, Mora? No, I don't. Harrigan <laughs> watches this stuff. I, well, I don't. turn it off. He's the nerd. Turn it off. Well, we, I'm not watching. I'm just letting you know. Well, you, your eye is drawn to it. <laughs> Look at that sword. Hey, we could become the official radio home of lightsaber sure. league. Right. What do you got, coach? <laughs> Maya Moore scored 31. The Lynx beat the Chicago Sky 85-64 last night. That ends a three-game losing streak for the Lynx. Uh, they'll be in Las Vegas to play the Aces on Thursday night. News notes from today. The Minnesota Pollution Control Agency is on the scene of train derailment at Hoffman Bridge in South St. Paul this morning that's leaking fuel into the Mississippi River. The MPCA said two locomotives and a tanker car were on the bridge. One of the locomotives and tanker cars jumped the tracks. That caused one of the tanks to puncture, and the MPCA said it looks like about 2,500 gallons of diesel fuel leaked into the river. The MPCA has set up booms at the bridge and further downstream to contain the spill. Booms were also set up by Gray Cloud Island, which is nine miles south of the bridge. The MPCA adds it's too early to know the extent of the environmental impact. Did the trains fall into the river? Uh, I, the pictures I saw, it didn't look like it. Okay. It looked like perhaps uh, you couldn't tell. I should say that. That's a better way to put it. 28-year-old woman has pleaded guilty to second-degree murder while committing a felony in the case of a fatal Frogtown shooting in October. That reverses her initial not-guilty plea. Uh, Denise Chanel White's plea to second-degree murder without intent meant a second murder charge with intent was dropped. Uh, You might remember this story. White was arrested and charged after the death of 36-year-old Dewan Darnell Littles of St. Paul's Frogtown neighborhood in October. According to the complaint, Littles was hosting an after-bar party when the party spilled out onto the street near LaFond Avenue and Dale Street. Court documents say White got into an argument with several women in a car who were leaving the area. A criminal complaint says White then pulled a small handgun and fired several times into a group of 10 people. Littles was hit in the shooting and pronounced dead at Regents Hospital. Littles was the father of four. He owned a nearby barber shop and thrift store. Dwight Littles, known as a neighborhood do-getter, reportedly was trying to break up the fight when he was hit by the bullets. White sentencing is scheduled for October 17th. Another example of reason cannot compete with hysteria. A spokesman for a central Iowa nonprofit says the reward fund for that missing University of Iowa student has now grown to more than $300,000 and is likely to continue climbing. Greg Wiley, spokesman for Crime Stoppers of Central Iowa, says the Molly Tibbetts Reward Fund has reached $301,363. says donations have come from more than 100, uh, 180 individuals and businesses from across the country. The fund has been established to help return Tibbetts to her family, the 20-year-old woman, went missing on July 18th from her hometown of Brooklyn, about 70 miles east of Des Moines. Officers from the FBI, state, and local law enforcement agencies are working to find her. She was last seen jogging on city streets in the town of 1400. New York Republican Representative Chris Collins arrested this morning on federal insider trading charges. 
An indictment obtained from a federal grand jury relates to Australian biotech company Innate Immunotherapeutics, on which Collins served as a board member. It alleges the 68-year-old congressman scrambled to call his son from the White House lawn and tell him non-public information about a failed drug trial in which they both owned shares. His son, 25-year-old Cameron Collins, as well as the father of his fiance, 66-year-old Stephen Zarsky, were also charged. The Republican representative from upstate New York was one of President Trump's earliest backers in the Congress. In June 2017, according to the indictment, Collins passed the information about the drug trial test to his son to help him make what they called timely trades in innate stock and tip others. Zarsky allegedly traded on the inside knowledge also. In total, the three defendants avoided over $760,000 in losses that they would have otherwise incurred. Is it really? Is it worth it? Go to jail for seven hundred fifty grand? Not to me. Okay. The man who shot and wounded U.S. President Ronald Reagan in 1981 has asked a federal court in Washington to lift all restrictions imposed on him since his release from a psychiatric hospital two years ago. 63-year-old John Hinckley has resided with his mother in Williamsburg, Virginia, since being released from the Washington hospital in September of 2016 under a slew of living conditions. Hinckley was found not guilty by reason of insanity at a 1982 trial and was diagnosed with depression and psychosis, both of which were in remission in 2016, according to his doctors. Federal judge in mid-2016 found Hinckley no longer posed a danger to himself or anybody else. Mental health experts will examine him ahead of a December 10th hearing to figure out if that is still the case, according to federal court records. Hinckley was 25 when he shot Reagan outside a Washington hotel in an attempt to impress actress Jodie Foster, who'd been playing a teenage prostitute in the 1976 movie Taxi Driver. In that film, the lead character, played by Robert De Niro, plots to assassinate a presidential candidate. Hmm. The Ford Mustang reaches a major... I got mu- this coming up. Do you? I okay. need one. Let me skip up a couple pages here. We'll skip there. Yeah. Bur- burger chain, Jack in the Box. No, nope, that one's coming up too. No, that's not good. I was going to do that. <laughs> burger chain, Jack in the Box is under fire for a sexual Ooh. innuendo-laden TV commercial to promote a new menu offering. <laughs> the spot. You like your burger hot and ready? Yeah! <laughs> You guys know, you've seen their ads, right? The guy with the, sure, round, he's got the, the, the round, round face. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I have not. Okay, well, the spot features you Jack. you watching bridge shows. Jack, <laughs> features Jack. Uh, Jack is the chain's fictitious CEO known for his oversized plastic head. Uh, in it, it likens the chain's teriyaki bowls to a part of the male anatomy. You've got some pretty nice bowls, but so does Dan, the company's mascot says. A female colleague then compliments Dan on his nice bowls. The ad contains more than a dozen bowl-themed metaphors. I'm not offended. No. Adweek's David Griner <laughs> denounced the ad. Adweek- sure you didn't have this one, Joel? Yeah. Adweek's David Griner. Hey, Gr- you the CEO? You got nice balls. <laughs> bowls. 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 Yes. Bowls. Yeah, it's with the no. <laughs> I just bowls. say it's funny, like bowls. You got have a bowls. Hey, are they teriyaki-flavored? Teriyaki, no. you try them. Adweek's David. Have it with a bowl of shame. Adweek's David Griner denounced the advertisement as one of the most tone-deaf ads in the Me Too era. Griner wrote in perhaps the most telling moment, the ad tries to go meta by having a lawyer explain to Jack that the campaign is inappropriate. But he doesn't understand what the fuss is all about. In a joint statement, Jack in the Box and the ad agency behind the Bulls campaign. There isn't even a Jack in a Box in the Twin Cities. There isn't. That's correct. Yeah. They're associated with Hardee's, though. I didn't know that. They, yes. They, oh, are they owned by the same company? I, I believe they're that. owned by the same company, yes. 
Is this story almost Parties over? Is all right. It's over now, as a matter of fact. Good. We'll just skip the so a company that goes by the name of Jack in the Box is uh-huh. in trouble for, for an innuendo. innuendo. I believe there are, they've had other spots also that have huh. had innuendo. And mm-hmm. so has Hardee's also. Sure. Well, you they always got Hardee's the- isn't associated with Jack in the Box. I'm sorry. They're associated with Carl's. That's my fault. Mm-hmm. Uh, on, the, on the West Coast. What do Carl's bowls look like? <laughs> Joe's sure. head's gonna explode. Uh, How you, doing, you ever Joe? had a Carl Burger? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Joe's stunned. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, just take, <laughs> take her out. Okay. You cannot stop him. He'll just make a move. Joe Suchere. Here's Dave Dahl. Thank you, Joe. We're up to 86 degrees, heading for a high close to 90 this afternoon. Southwest winds are around 14, gusting to 21, so it's a little bit breezy with those southwest winds. Dew point's still pretty high at 65. They're going to stay there in the mid to upper 60s the rest of this afternoon. There's a weak, cool front dropping southward. An isolated thunderstorm could form along that front, but most of them should stay in the northern portions of Wisconsin uh, to the northeast of most of Minnesota. Um, Then after that pushes on by, it's really not going to cool off much. It might get a little drier, but still pretty warm tomorrow, 87 for the high. And then 86 on Friday, warm, still um, a little bit humid. And then hot and humid over the weekend, 88 on Saturday, 89 on Sunday, up to 90 on Monday. Some thunderstorms developing by Monday night. And then Tuesday and Wednesday, a little bit cooler, uh, low to mid-80s for highs. Uh, Tuesday and Wednesday of next week. Today, though, going for a high close to 90, Joe, with a lot of sun. Right now, we're at 86. All right, thank you. Uh, Fellas. What have you got, friend? What do you got? Are you aware that this season the NFL will have male cheerleaders? I was not aware of that fact. (laughs) Otherwise, I would have applied. Mm -hmm. The Los Angeles Rams and the New Orleans Saints will have male cheerleaders Dancing on their squads for the first time, dancers Quentin Perone and Napoleon Ginnies have been preparing for the NFL season since they made the Rams cheerleading squad in March. Still can't believe I'm one of the first males in history to be a pro NFL cheerleader, Ginnies tweeted. Other teams like the Indianapolis Colts and the Baltimore Ravens have stunt men. But Perone and Ginny's will be dancing alongside their female teammates and doing the same moves. Oh, the stuntmen would be, they only come out maybe for the pyramid. Okay. Like, this okay. has to play into my theory, doesn't it? I think it's a step. Yes. This, my theory being that the NFL is morphing into something that'll be a quasi sport slash reality TV show. Yes. Male, male cheerleaders. And here's the. F- and you know damn well they'll they'll be stealing the show just like the female cheerleaders. These aren't going to be some two clowns with a bullhorn. No, this is and this is going to force these will be like the dancers that you know Christine Aguilera has in her staff, like fly yeah girls but boys. Wow. But I wonder if the regular NFL viewer, I can see my brothers doing this, not because. They're cheerleaders, or they they want to jump around, but because they could get closer to the action. Well, you're that it would be my strongly held belief yeah. that that's not why these guys did it. If you know what I'm saying, I think I do, but I'm just saying that the future might be 
the the couch potato that watches football sees this as an opportunity to be at every home game, to be on the sidelines, okay, and to be leading. The I, crowd. I think I think maybe uh, again, uh, it's interesting the way your mind works. Yeah. Uh, How's it work? Well, a couch potato ain't getting a job. It's not going to end up with right. one of these jobs. No, I said I, it, it. It might grow into no. Right no, now, it's no. No, you're missing. You're, David, you're, you're, I'm David, and I'm cheering no, for the Vikings. No, no. right? See, you, 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 you seem to be missing a real critical point here. Yes, these. I've these, been in dance all my life at Diane's World of Dance. These are guys who would, uh, my again, my strongly held suspicion, yes. have absolutely no interest whatsoever in football. That's not why they're doing this. We like to play the game, Joe. This is they're doing this because they they're seeking stardom for their dancing ability. They don't really give a patoot about being close well, to the sidelines. And we've seen the male cheerleader. You think at college the female games. cheerleaders are doing this because they love football? Hell no. They're looking at this as a doorway to stardom. I don't know how many NFL cheerleaders have have actually achieved anything beyond being an NFL cheerleader. But believe me, that's what they're after. They're not after being a cheerleader. They could care less about the game, or they couldn't care less about the game. They could not care less. Mm -hmm. They're not in it for the campaign. Right, It's they're not. Perone and Ginny's success inspired 25-year-old Jesse Hernandez to try out for the New Orleans Saints. Uh, He told CNN affiliate KATC that his mom sent him a link with their story. The story about Perone and Ginny. She told me it was my time to shine, he said. The process has been great. Everyone has been really nice to me, and I can't wait to see where this goes. And there's a picture of Jesse okay. uh, here uh, uh, auditioning for the, for, the, uh, for the outfit. All right. Uh, but uh, but to, I, I need to disabuse you of your silly notion that this will somehow catch on and a bunch of fat slobs who eat Doritos all Sunday afternoon are going to suddenly be down on the sideline. It's a, it'd be a Saturday Night Live skit, you know, uh, like yeah, synchronized sure, swimming. Sure, what, yeah. But these or are going to be, these will be professional quality dancers who have the moves that you see when the aerobic rock stars go on on tour. That's what this will okay. end up being. Toned and, and, and disciplined and... Fit and, beyond belief. Okay. Uh, and just hoping maybe this leads to Broadway. This is or, the breakthrough. Or movies or whatever. But where? how does this fit into my theory? Uh, it takes a giant step because it's it's taking away from the actual football game. So the cameras are, you on, are. The, You're on the, the, right the track. theatrics of, hey, we're doing this. Mm-hmm. And, and people that are viewing are not paying attention to the actual game. They're paying attention to the antics. And and uh, given, given that... Uh, there's no holds barred anymore uh, because I've always I've always thought there will be subplots developing during the games once the morphing gets closer to reality. Yes. So you could have these guys, uh, you know, in relationships. Oh, these, Rick is used to date Tina from Baltimore, or, or with their own stat sheet, like at the bottom, or or uh, <clears throat> uh, Rick is involved with the linebacker from the Colts, or, ah, okay. and they're vying there and they're you know in competition for. Uh, Whatever I just see, I, I, know I just see the whole uh, thing uh, 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 aiding and abetting my theory that the league and I started the theory because the legal either have to do that morph into something right. more choreographed, or you will have to accept death on the field. It's one or the other. That's pretty permanent. And the way our culture is so degraded now, maybe they'll go with death on the field. Uh, there's a certain portion of the population that would definitely press the. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
uh, death on the field button. I'm sure. Would be interesting to know, he said, veering wildly back to a former topic. I wonder if Louis body dementia, which claimed Stan Makita's life, I wonder if that has anything to do with repeated hits to the head. Because hmm. he got bounced around. He was a little guy. He got the crap beat out of him for 21 years. Yeah. You can't tell me that his head didn't take a... Yeah, that... I mean, I'm, I'm no doctor, but my guess is yes. I don't know. Uh, in any event... Uh, the NFL's first male dancers will hit the sidelines this season. Could we see male cheerleaders as soon as Saturday night when the Vikings are at Denver? There's been no uh, I don't no know word on of, whether the yeah, whether the Denver Broncos uh, have male cheerleaders. And do the do the cheerleaders travel with the teams? Uh, I no. don't know. I just think they're at I home. I think it's games. just a home game. Yeah. I don't think you want you know. And there's a number of teams that don't even have the cheer cheerleading staff anymore. Well, here's another subplot for this you. This is the cheerleading section of the aircraft, so could you please... Here's another subplot for you. Uh, you could see uh, fights about pay equity developing if the male cheerleaders suddenly start making more money than the female Oh, cheerleaders. yeah, and I think those gals, they don't really make much. 25 bucks a game? No. what they're Snickers and the No, Coke. because they're, they're there for... They're not they're there, but not for football. They're there to hope to get noticed. By a film executive or something. They're not there for football. Or the money. They're not there for the money. Right. They're there hoping they get five seconds on a TV camera. They should be cheering on the home team regardless. Just a moment. Gotcha. It's the end of the world as we know it. Ruck, where are you going, man? Um, I have to leave early, but I, I don't want—I don't want anybody to know. I'm not going to tell anybody. You going to St. Paul? I will be in St. Paul. That's all I'm going to say. CHS Field. I can't confirm or deny. No, no, that's not tonight. God help me. Are you there in some official capacity? Please please tell me that. You're there I'm in some sampling, station capacity? I'm sampling a food. I'm no, that, a, I'm that, a food that, judge. Event, that event came and went. That is not the event that's being held tonight. Um, I'm Rebus, judging. What are we going to do judging. about this? I'm judging. You're not, you're not I'm serious. judging something. You're I'm, going? Not saying, I'm not saying anything. I'm you, judging. You have to tell me you're doing this in some official capacity. I'm, I, yes, I guess I am. 1500 ESPN is KSTP St. Paul, Minneapolis. I think it would come up. It's uh, very warm. 